You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. All right, this is the one. I can feel it. Podcast, 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 podcast. The first and the best Chiefs podcast. Real ones know the show is called Amateur Hour. The Amateur Hour podcast is now airing on KC Sports Network. Ryan Scott Hall and his Dirkness are back again. We've got football, friendship, and fun. All these shows, we're still number one, season 12. Oh, wow, here it comes. Welcome, my friends, to Emma, Amateur Hour Podcast. Podcast. Man, I can't hit that note right. Podcast! Is that right? Ah, well. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. What is this, Amateur Hour? Yeah, I ain't no Superman businessman like you. You know, I'm just a amateur. I suppose. Amateur hour is what's happening. <laughs> amateur hour is what's folks it's uh amateur hour that's the name of the show i'm ryan scott hall and joining me today uh it's a man wearing a shirt of a man not wearing a shirt my spirit animal is darkness so 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 little weird thing. Okay, all right, all right, bring it on, folks, bring it on. Didn't expect boo birds on my sup, but uh, here we are. Here we are eating up these boo birds. Man, uh, I guess judging by the reception, uh, carry over from last night, uh, the the Chiefs and potentially his darkness. I don't know, am am I a bad guy too? We're we're bad guys now. Are we the bad guy? The bad guy. It's 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 interesting. They, I mean, they they seem to be eating it up. Um, but I could not believe the uh, booing last night. Now it could have been, you know, it's in Vegas, so maybe it's Raiders fans. It's a lot closer to San Francisco, so maybe their fans are just there early. Uh, could be stuff like that. So I mean, I've I've honestly been trying to figure out if this is like a real thing or not, or just like you know a a thing that like Chiefs Twitter is kind of obsessed with because you know we all saw like the. The, the poll with, like, the negative tweets and, like, the Chiefs had by far the most. Uh, and, like, the maps where, you know, the whole country's cheering for both the Bills and the Ravens. Um, and then getting booed last night. And it's just like, man, it, it keeps getting more and more real that, like, the Chiefs have all of a sudden become a villain. I don't even know what happened. Like, where did it come from? Like, I, I get that we're winning constantly, but, like, what is the main reason for this in your opinion, did you have do you have any idea? Well, that's it. I mean, look, it's like that if if the Chiefs are the bad guys now, it kind of makes sense given the level of sustained success. I mean, look, like let's be honest, we've seen this before. We've seen a more extreme version of it, even uh, with the Patriots, and it lasted for what felt like. 20 years of just constant like they're just there i mean how many division titles did they win over the 20 game or 20 year stretch it's like 17 or something um 
it sucks as a fan to watch some other team win over and over and over again to the point that them winning feels inevitable. And that word, inevitable, that's exactly how people have been describing Patrick Mahomes ever since the Chiefs had time to run Wasp. I think that's like really when it started. Now, I mean, it's that that is like the moment, I guess, where he first proved that like no odds are too great, that no game is ever like truly over until the final whistle. Now, he's had what feels like dozens of other instances that have strengthened his resume along the way, perhaps most notably in 13 seconds, but overcoming a 10-point deficit in the fourth quarter of a Super Bowl as a 24-year-old is the stuff of legends. And, I mean, that kind of brings us to the opponent from that game, the San Francisco 49ers. I could see being the bad guys, like, against them, if it was their fans. The mixture of the Oakland, oh, Oakland, <laughs> the, the Vegas fans at this point, um, is is there is there a worse feeling than arguably your most hated rival, like practicing on your field, their logo is on the doors of your locker room, all this stuff, and like, when's the last time the Raiders even sniffed a playoff game? Their car had one, didn't he? He had a playoff. Yeah, they almost beat the Bengals before the the Bengals beat us that year. Okay, so I mean they they went you know a couple years ago, but like that that's their their the the playoff glory that they've had for a, a very long time since Rich Gannon probably. Uh, and, and, and as Nick Wright has been pointing out this week, like the just the overall like the dominance over the AFC. So like the Chiefs have already eliminated ten teams in the AFC, ten different teams in the Mahomes era. They've eliminated along the way. Uh, so that just, each of them has like their own wound at this point. And he even took it a step further for each of those teams. It was the furthest they had been uh, in their playoff runs, like in these, in this uh, little run here, uh, each of that team, it's been the furthest they've been and it got eliminated by the chiefs. Uh, so that's kind of interesting. And it's like 10 of the 16 teams. Then you have the chiefs. Then you have the three AFC West teams who they essentially eliminate every single year. And then it's basically only the Patriots and Jets left. Um, and so you kind of back to that graphic that, you know, we haven't seen for a while now, but we used to see it all the time with the representing the AFC in the Super Bowl. And it was like, it was Brady, it was Peyton, and it was Roethlisberger. And then there was very few others, Gannon and Flacco and now Burrow along the way. And you add Mahomes to that graphic now, and they've gone for the last six years. And it's just, you do get tired of that winning. And I go back to like our playoff preview episode where I was kind of like laying down the stakes, like what here's what's ahead for the Chiefs. Here's what they can accomplish. If the Chiefs were to win the Super Bowl this year, like NFL fans are going to be furious. And like, I can relate to that. Like it was kind of a, uh, you know, like a question that I, I had the answer to when I asked you earlier, like, why are they hated? It's because they're winning so much and you just don't want to see that. Like you can like Taylor Swift, like there's kind of excuses along the way, like Taylor Swift and like Mahomes kind of lost his cool for one week. Um, but really at the heart of it is just winning too much. And you don't want to see that. And I, and I can relate to that because if I, if I think if I'm on the outside, like I want to see, you know, more teams win. I get frustrated when the college football playoff is the same teams every single year. 
I got frustrated when the Patriots are winning every single year, even though it's impressive and they're playing great games along the way. It's entertaining games, but it's still boring. Like I want to see new teams do it. Um, so it's just, uh, I, I totally understand. Uh, but it, it has to be like just a furious, furious feeling from the other NFL fans. Yeah. I mean, like, like I said, like you don't, you don't want to watch another team become inevitable and that's really where the chiefs are. I mean, I, I think of, uh, well, it's, it's Jesse, right? The, the very popular gif now from breaking bad, he can't keep getting away with it. And it's like, you know, I, I, and this is where I think that a lot of people and, and maybe rightfully so have started to think about this chiefs team and try to compare them to any other, you know, teams, whether it's other chiefs teams or, uh, teams across the AFC, and everyone keeps wanting to go back to that 2018 Patriots team. Like, they weren't necessarily the best team in the league that year, but they figured out a way to win, um, and it just made everybody that much angrier that that Patriots team ended up winning. And so I think there's a lot of people that maybe look at this Chiefs team that way. This particular year, like, of all the years, this team, Our that, that Chiefs team, you know, and I think that that is the thing that might be pissing most people off is like almost like thinking that they, they don't deserve it. Like they're just not that good. Um, and that really leads to like that. They're still just being underestimated. But like, I don't, what, what do you think? I mean, I, I see the, the finger. I don't, I don't want to go too far and no, I, I mean, I'm I sure I'm making the dust here. I got, I got tons and tons of thoughts. I had a weird thought this week that, I almost thought like losing to Brady in 2018 it was almost like the best thing for Patrick Mahomes. Like I know that like Brady coming and seeing him in the locker room after that like meant a lot. And I almost wonder if like if like winning in his first Super Bowl would have just been like too much. Like I know this guy handles everything that's thrown at him, but winning a first Super Bowl with that kind of MVP season, 5,000 yards, 50 touchdowns, and a Super Bowl is just like always oh, like there's literally no way to go up from that. Like there's that would be the best NFL season quarterback season of all time. Um, so I do think and on the field last week, he said, I've learned to play different. It's about winning, not stats. You saw Tom do it for a long time. Yep. And you just see this dude kind of learn from him. Um, and I just, that first year is almost like crucial uh, for his first step. Uh, and then he talked about like the chiefs doing this, uh, you know, not at their best. And there's the reason for that is because they had to start paying Patrick Mahomes. So I, I found some weird stats where last year, I kind of forgot about this, Patrick Mahomes joined Eli Manning as the only quarterbacks to win the Super Bowl with a top five cap hit. So that's the, those were the only two in Super Bowl history. Well, I, I don't know if this, how far back this I don't know if the salary cap like goes back to 70 or anything like that. Um, but Eli Manning, I'm guessing his second one, uh, and then Patrick Mahomes last year were a top five quarterback cap hit. They were the only two to, to win the Super Bowl. This year, Patrick Mahomes has the highest cap hit among all all quarterbacks, and they are the first team to make the Super Bowl with that distinction. So he's the first quarterback with the highest cap hit in the NFL to make the Super Bowl. Um, so it's it's just wild that that's kind of like maybe like a little reason for like the drop off uh, and what you see it and like the other teams being pissed off. And it's and it's like they're also looking at the future. Like if they're winning it this year, like what the hell is going to stop them next year? Like I get it, Travis Kelsey's getting old. Uh, you know, Chris Jones might be on his way out, but they already lost Tyreek Hill. And not only did they not lose, like, like lose a beat, they haven't lost a playoff game since then. Like, 
And so it's just like, I, if I'm another NFL fan, I'm looking at that like, shoot, that I, they're going to lose Travis Kelsey, fine, but it's going to keep rolling because they still got Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid setting the culture and Brett Beach adding talent year after year to this team. And it's just a nonstop. And it's like, I would, you're like looking at 10, 12 more years of this. However long Mahomes can go uh, seems to be the window. And it's just like, when does it end? When when does this end? That loss in 2018, your your point's an interesting one because to think that in his first season as a starter, the 50 touchdowns, the 5,000 yards, and then if they go out and win the Super Bowl, you honestly start to wonder, at least I do, like Mahomes seems like a very like grounded guy. If you win that Super Bowl, uh, you know, and you beat Tom Brady in the AFC Championship, and then, I mean, who knows how things end up going from there. Maybe Tom doesn't even go to Tampa. That's not important. To the actual point, if your first season as a starter, you have the greatest quarterback season ever, maybe Mahomes is a different guy. And like the the arrogance and everything of it, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's... It, it is kind of a, a crazy thing to think about that, like, the Chiefs have been, like, a play or two away from going to the Super Bowl every single year that Mahomes has been the starter. And so, like, that kind of sustained success, the, the crazy stats that we're able to say that since Patrick Mahomes became the starter, the Chiefs know nothing less than overtime of the AFC Championship game, and at least until this year, at home. You know, like, it's they, they are at a level that every single team wishes that they could get to, and so that envy starts to pile up. And, yeah, I mean, I, I think... If the question is, are the Chiefs the bad guys? Uh, the answer is yes. And and on top of it, I I think they like it. Oh, they like I, it. I think I think they really are starting to like it. Uh, let's dig into that a little bit more after this first break here. We appreciate you supporting KC Sports Network by listening to our podcast. You have helped us become the highest ranked Chiefs podcast network in 2022 and 2023. And don't forget about our daily Substack newsletter, the best written analysis you can find on the Chiefs straight to your inbox every day. KCSN.substack.com. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, I actually really appreciate BJ saying thank you to us for helping KC Sports Network be the back-to-back highest-rated podcast network here in Kansas City. That's great. You're welcome, BJ. We're very happy to do it for you. Uh, we're also very happy to be sponsored this year by the Boris, the Boris, the, the Boys, Boys and Girls Clubs of Magnolia, Kansas City. Magnolia. Hey, look, Chris Jones and I uh, were making sure that our pronunciation is on point. Uh, it's such an easy name to pronounce. Spagnolo. It's, there's nothing extra there. Nolo. That's it. Uh, well, listen, folks. Uh, if you love sports uh, and you're right here in Kansas City, you should think about sharing your love uh, by coaching some local youth. Uh, our partners, the Boys and Girls Clubs of Greater Kansas City, they need your help. Uh, beyond the after-school programming that they do, uh, they also offer leagues for baseball, softball, basketball, flag football, uh, a lot of different things. Um, great introductory experiences for kids. All you got to do is click on volunteer for more information when you visit helpkckids.org. Your company can hit it out of the park with a sports league sponsorship with Boys and Girls Clubs of Greater Kansas City. Reach thousands of local families while giving kids the opportunity to get in the game. Contact giving at helpkckids.org for more information. Uh, Let's do a little bit more information on the idea that the Chiefs are relishing this role as the bad guys. I mean, I I didn't watch all that closely last night. I've been kind of swamped at work. What can you tell me about this? Because I've only seen like a couple short little clips and Travis just being like, oh, oh, okay, I'm ready to play right now. Like I, I saw that, but... I've seen people referencing like a like a smirk on Mahomes' face. Apparently, he's getting booed too. Like, is it just everybody, or is it just like those faces? The the Mahomes and Kelsey. Is Andy Reid out there getting booed? Like, what's happening here? What's the extent of this? Every, every single Chiefs member got booed. Every time anything Chief related happened, it was overwhelmingly loud boos. And then every time the 49ers think something was happening, it was loud cheers. Um, and it was just like I, I don't remember ever hearing it like that like like maybe you'd think like you know there's more fans there so they're cheering louder for the 49ers but like straight booing the the Chiefs didn't feel like these are 49ers fans just like you know getting ready for the game it felt like pure hatred for the Chiefs uh and it was and they started embracing it and Mahomes was like you know said like thank you everybody like 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 come on bring it on he's they like let's out a little smile while Purdy back there looking like a little child like uh like Lee Harvey Oswald back there just <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I saw those pictures on Twitter today, and I had I just I was like, I, has there ever been a like a stronger doppelganger? My goodness, I was for a minute kind of almost thinking it's not the same, but I was like, he kind of looks like Glenn Powell a little bit, you know, just kind of like clean cut white guy vibe. Um, obviously, we don't really fit into that, uh, but. The Lee Harvey Oswald photos, the side-by-side. Guys, if you have not looked, yeah. and girls, I know we've got plenty of female listeners, please, please seek them out because that was comical. It's unbelievable. Uh, and then so, yes, I mean, they're all just getting booed and, and you know, Kelsey's obviously loving it and he's just like, I'm, I'm fucking ready to go right now. Uh, Kyle Shanahan showed up totally wasted and he's giving he's giving drunk interviews. Uh, really? Yeah, I Clearly, yeah, I was. I thought it was cool. Yeah, sure, why not? Um, so that was kind of. I mean, there wasn't too much going on. It was normal hijinks. It was a horrible TV production. I'll say that, but yeah. I'll keep that bitching to a minimum. Uh, but other than that, I mean, it was just like it was just kind of made the point where I was like, you know, I keep hearing this, and it's like Chiefs Twitter obviously playing it up, but it's like we play up the underdog thing a lot, which I mean, we are we have been underdogs in five of the last six playoff games now. So it, I mean, it's there's there's real meat behind that um but it, it sometimes we play it up too much and it's just like a twitter thing and it's like oh man these fans are obnoxious blah blah blah. but it's actually like this this was like spreading over into like real life territory so it was it was kind of interesting to see it it was just like it was and and all of them just eating it up i, I think they love it and and i mean goes back to last week when they just came out with their hair on fire like the intensity that they were playing with in that game it was they had a fire lit under them even though they're the defending champs they're the ones with all the accolades on on their you know bed tables here bed tables little bed little side table bed, uh, nightstand uh, mantle mantle thank you thank you um they they were still like the <laughs> yeah, I was way off uh they're still like the team that's like hungrier out there and so that's wild to see so it'll be interesting to see if that happens in this game if it does they're gonna they're gonna run over the 49ers uh but I do expect a more even keeled battle when it comes to that. But they they are definitely, it's definitely firing them up. The underdog thing is really interesting to me. So I didn't know the five of six. I did know that it's three in a row now. I knew that they were underdogs against Buffalo and Baltimore. And now they're looking at the, the third straight game where they are not the betting favorite. And what's interesting to me is that I, I saw that Brock Purdy has only been an underdog one time as a starter. Um, I've I've seen some of the uh, essentially how are the Chiefs going to avoid getting blown out type of stuff. Um, like, do, do these people even believe their own takes? Like, <laughs> are they are they, they just? Are they just trying to like rig the betting lines? I am going to push the 49ers so hard all week on all my TV spots and then bet against it, hoping to get the line to move or something. Like, I don't, how, how are the Chiefs being underestimated at this point? What do you need to see? I know that it's a long regular season and the Chiefs looked very beatable for sure. Absolutely, they did. They bottomed out on Christmas Day. Um, exact same day and very similar looking games, in fact. Um, but I just don't, as soon as you start to see the Chiefs play like this in the playoffs, 
why do you think that like the the what the luck is going to run out guys this is who the chiefs are this is who they are they are the best team in the afc they are a perennial super bowl team over the last 6 years there's there's no reason to be underestimating them how they are not the favorites and how we're looking at three straight games at Brock Purdy and the 49ers are favored in this game. I do not understand it. I don't. I don't. They're playing better than the Niners have been in these playoffs, too. I don't get it. Yeah, it's a, it's a crazy, like, David versus Goliath at quarterback matchup where Goliath is like Patrick Mahomes, who's like, might be on pace to be the greatest quarterback of all time. And and David is literally the last pick in the draft. He he looks like, you know, a dad showing up to, uh, you know, a, a kid's baseball game. Uh, and yet David is favored. Like David, it's like they went back to biblical times and they favored David over Goliath. And that would like light a fighter under Goliath. It never would have happened. Uh, so it's kind of funny. But with these people, I, I was shocked that they're underdogs too, just because it's like it's Mahomes versus Purdy and they have the better defense. So, like, I don't, like, I think that would lean into it. And they've just, but Vegas has just loved the 49ers all along. And with people analyzing it, I think it's because they want to, like, back up their, what they're going to predict with, you know, numbers and stats and anecdotes and those kind of things. But these games just, they're not about resumes. Like, too many people, like, like look at these games and they kind of compare, like, what the team has done and, like, who has the better resume. Uh, but we figured this out last week. If, if it was all about resumes, Baltimore would have crushed the Chiefs. And we all watched it, and it was the complete opposite. And it, it's like the, it's almost like they're deciding, like, who makes the college football playoff. Like, they're debating, like, okay, the Ravens have this many wins over playoff teams. They have this many wins by double digits. They've done this, and their their defense is rated. And it's like, it's that's not what it's about. It's about the matchups that are coming on Sunday, and it's about who's, you know, going to bring it to the table. Like, and you have to kind of factor in at this point that the Chiefs are jogging through the regular season and so using any of their regular season numbers as evidence for for anything that's about to happen in one of these playoff games it's foolish because i mean you would i think you would argue that their best three games of the season have all been the last three they've all been the playoff games essentially like i don't know what else you'd say the chargers game in the middle of the year um something like that so i it's just it's clear at this point that they're saving something for january but i really think it's like looking at like the season stats like because i'm because I, i've I'm, I'm gonna dive into some 49er stats here and you'll you'll hear them and be like holy shit like that sounds like a powerhouse those numbers are way better than anything the chiefs have done this year yeah i it, one of the things that like this brings into question for me this idea that um the you know the 49ers are being favored in this game that brock purdy has only been an underdog one time as a starter, um, it, it makes me wonder if this one this one title that a lot of people wanted to put on Patrick Mahomes as if it was a negative thing uh, to try to take away from his greatness. Well, when Patrick Mahomes became the starter in Kansas City, he probably had the best situation that any rookie quarterback has ever been dropped into before. And I mean, second year rookie, whatever, right? But it's like, He's got two Hall of Famers on his offense. He's got a Hall of Fame coach. He's completely incubated. You know, they've got good quality offensive tackles. Their defense isn't terrible. Uh, They ended up being terrible. Uh, Regardless, (laughs) 
People kept talking about Patrick Mahomes was in the best period, situation, period, ever, period. And I think that Brock Purdy has actually taken the torch from Patrick Mahomes in that department. Is it, it like if you look at how Purdy is insulated here, all of the weapons that they have on offense, like let, let's just think about this at least. Like I know that Kelsey is certainly more established uh, now uh, than any tight end in NFL history. Uh, but if we rewind back to 2018, he's good, but he's done all of his really, truly best work with Mahomes. He's not established at the level that he is right now. We talked, I think, last week about how, you know, for the Chiefs against the Ravens, cooler heads prevailed. But, like, in the years before this run, you know, you get the Travis Kelsey stupid penalties in the playoffs. And that's the kind of Travis Kelsey that Patrick Mahomes inherited. I don't think that Tyreek Hill was really established as an excellent weapon the way that somebody like Debo has been on this team. And, oh, by the way, the 49ers have Christian McCaffrey. I mean, and they've got the best left tackle, you know, in in the non-Joe Thomas category of the modern NFL. Um, and so I'm just, I, I look at it and I do, I do, like, does that resonate with you? Like, is Purdy now in in a better situation than Mahomes was when he became a starter? And is that in any way, like, kind of pointing to, I mean, because, like, the, the Shanahan system is nothing to shake a stick at either. You know, I mean, there's, it's a it's a really interesting kind of thought experiment to me that it went from this huge dig at Mahomes and now it's like one of the reasons that people can't seem to believe in Brock Purdy is because of how good everybody around him is. But Mahomes like made it to where it's beyond a shadow of a doubt that this guy is making those players better. Um, and and ultimately, I think with the Niners, it's more about all of these weapons kind of lifting Purdy up. He is a a key cog in their system but he is not at the level that Mahomes was. Yeah, I mean, it, they're kind of propping Purdy up to be among the best quarterbacks in the league, like when you look at him statistically and everything. Uh, whereas, I guess when you go back to the Chiefs in 2018, they were propping up Mahomes to do it, you know, better than almost anyone's ever. It might have been the best quarterback season we've ever seen, like at least like top three quarterback season in NFL history in his first year. Uh, so you can kind of just see like the level of difference uh, and I guess in winning, you know, Brock has always had, like you said, like a like a top defense going alongside him, whereas Mahomes had the perfect situation offensively uh, to put up all those numbers and stuff. But defensively, they were nowhere near what San Francisco is uh, has been in, in Brock Birdie's era. Uh, let's let's dive into a little or do you want to go you want to take a break first before I want to back up some of what we're saying with some 49ers stats um, on their offense that have just kind of blown me away. You want to take this break first? Yeah, definitely. That sounds good. Be a good way to transition. I, I know that what we're doing really is talking about a Super Bowl. In fact, the Chiefs' fourth Super Bowl in the last five years. Well, folks, if you're looking for a super offer for Super Bowl 58, the Derek Thomas of Super Bowls, DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered. New customers can bet on the big game and turn five bucks into 200 instantly in bonus bets. Just download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use code KCSN, and if you're a new customer, you bet $5, and you get 200 instantly in bonus bets. It's that simple. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 58, use code KCSN. The crown is yours. 
If you got a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario, bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Dirk, take us away on some of these 49ers stats that you mentioned that might uh, speak to what this game going to play out like. A little bit. Oh, I mean, let's, let's see if they got a chance here. All right, 49ers offense. Let's do a little deep dive into what they've done this season. It's pretty impressive. Some numbers here. They're first in yards per play. They're first in red zone percentage. They're first in points per drive. They're first in yards per attempt, yards per pass attempt by far. So far, they had the fewest pass attempts in the NFL and the fourth most passing yards. Mm. That's That's ridiculous. Um, they are first in yak. Uh, the Chiefs are actually second. Here's the difference. The, the 49ers are also first in air yards per completion, whereas the Chiefs are 32nd. So the Chiefs are getting their yak because they're just throwing short and, you know, doing a lot of screens and stuff, a lot of Andy Reid stuff, and they pick it up yards that way. The 49ers are throwing it deeper than anybody in the NFL and getting more yards after the catch than anybody in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a wild combination. They have the fewest drops in the NFL. They have nine. Nine drops. Uh, second fewest in the NFL is 16. The Chiefs are dead last, as most of us know, with 44. Uh, <laughs> and we haven't even gotten to their best player yet here. Tom Rathman, 44. Or Harvey Williams, if you're a Chiefs fan, I guess. Nebraska, Tom Rathman. Good job. Um, Christian McCaffrey, he leads the NFL in yards before contact. And yards after contact. Sounds right. I assume that's a running back stat, actually. Um, so I that's those are the stats at first in across the board. It's kind of amazing. Um, I wanted to talk about my biggest fear in this game, which is that Christian McCaffrey gets rolling. Um, if he can get rolling, which you know the Chiefs kind of sold out to stop that running game against Baltimore last last week. This running game is a lot better. Christian McCaffrey is a lot better than anybody lining up in the Ravens' backfield. I don't think, especially after all of the attention that it's gotten over the last two weeks, that the 49ers are going to forget to run the ball and have a low number of carries in this game. Uh, Christian McCaffrey is a scary dude. He is a problem. If they can get a lead and kind of force the Chiefs to start bringing a body down to help in the running game... And now that opens everything up for them. That opens up play action. That opens up one-on-one for all their playmakers. That opens up, you know, the bootleg that they're going to be doing off of that. Like, that's when they can really start to get rolling is if they can get a lead, if they can establish their own to Christian McCaffrey and take some of that pressure off of Brock Purdy. And I think that's the path to victory uh, for the 49ers in this game. I see a team. In the 49ers, if I'm looking at their offense, I see a team that wants to run the ball more than they want to do anything else. Um, Some of that, you know, being dead last in passing attempts speaks to it. Obviously, if they're 
Did you say they were first in yards per attempt? I know they're at like 8.4 yards per attempt. Um, first, way, way ahead. Way ahead. Okay. So that means, obviously, that the passing game has been very effective, very efficient, last in attempts, um, and like third in yards. Um I don't know. McCaffrey is the key to everything that they do. You laid it out, obviously, more eloquently than I need to at this point. I'm I'm tempted to make an Alex Smith comparison. Um, the like, just let him kind of be a distributor and lean on all these weapons. Um, and the weapons are it like I. It, it's just such a phenomenal collection of talent. But really, it, you start to circle McCaffrey. Uh, I was talking to my buddy Steve uh, before we got on tonight, and I said, like, if I'm a Niners fan, I want McCaffrey to touch the ball 40 times. I don't care <laughs> what the ratio is of, of like, run to pass. I want McCaffrey to touch the ball 40 times, and that is not an exaggeration. And and he said, you know, honestly, man, like, that's how they win. Like, this is how the, that has to be for the 49ers the game plan. You have to be stubborn about it. And a lot of it has to do with just, I've, I've listened to some of the nerdy stats uh, this week from national people that are talking about, oh, well, you know, when the 49ers are in this personnel and when the Chiefs are in this personnel and when they run inside or when they run outside and all these different things. And honestly, guys, it sounds a lot like the conversation that people are having against Baltimore. Like, well, all these things are coming up Ravens on paper. Like you said, the resume. You look at all this stuff, and it just looks like the Niners have a number of different advantages. But man, once they start playing, I don't know if teams can stick to their game plans against Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. I don't know what it is, but Patrick makes people panic. And and folks, like it's important to remember that no matter how solid the game plan that you put together is no matter how well versed you are and all of your systems, no matter how much talent you have on the field, your coach, if you're a 49ers fan has got a massive monkey on his back. I mean, this is a guy that has failed in some of the biggest spots and like the I, I could see where people maybe think that like the Chiefs have some pressure on them in this game because they're experienced and so on and so forth. And it's, you know, Mahomes versus Mr. Irrelevant. A lot of people are going to talk like that will be a storyline uh, no matter what happens. Uh, kind of like you said, that David and Goliath thing. I think the only team feeling any kind of pressure going into this game has to be the Niners. Like it's on us to be able to dictate the way that this game is played. And for whatever reason, when you line up against Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, offenses tend to panic. Um, and, and so if they can stick to the run, if they can give McCaffrey the ball 40 times, I don't know if there is a game where the Chiefs win if McCaffrey gets 40 touches. Like, I don't I don't know if there's a path to victory because of what that says about the game script and everything. Uh, they're gonna ha- they would have to be so stubborn, especially given all of the other talent and weapons that they have on that team but they would just have to keep just bludgeoning you over the head with Christian McCaffrey play after play after play. And I don't think they're going to do it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of funny because it's like, it, it does almost feel like as simple as a chiefs fan is like, just 
get a lead on Brock Purdy and make him beat you. Um, and that's that's there's these horrible stats for Kyle Shanahan or like once he was trailing going into the fourth quarter and and whenever he's he's down in a game he has a horrible record doing that. Um, they've kind of put that to bed because they've come back in both of their playoff wins now mm. um, and kind of turned that record around for that. Um, but then the juxtaposition to that, whereas that's that's obviously what you want to do, and that's and that also that gives you a chance for to unleash spags. Because, you know, if they're running McCaffrey over and over, they're getting into third and shorts, they're playing with a lead, that lessens the effect that Spags can have. If they're getting in third and long and they're losing in this game, Spags is going to eat Purdy for lunch. Like, it's just it's just going to be like that. The juxtaposition to that is, so I listened to a 49ers podcast a little bit, just to kind of our buddy Rob's style to get a little feeling for the opponent. Their biggest fear was kind of, you know, everybody's going to be thinking it. It does not matter what the lead is in this game. Everybody's going to be thinking of Shanahan up 10 against the Chiefs four years ago and up 28-3 against the Patriots in that Super Bowl. So there's kind of interesting side things on both sides here that like, I don't know if 49er fans are going to feel safe either way. Uh, and they were kind of referencing that to Kyle Shanahan and Patrick Mahomes. Like they were kind of saying like, I mean, not only is it Kyle Shanahan who's blowing leads here, but you have Patrick Mahomes who's like the best quarterback we've ever seen win trailing in a game. Um, but I do just feel like, despite them coming back the last couple weeks, I just feel like if the Chiefs get out to a lead here with Mahomes on the other side and everything that they can do on offense, like I, I feel really confident uh, if they can get to a lead. I do want to talk. Oh, I got a question here for you before we talk Chiefs defense. Who does Legereus need chase in this game? Because who is their wide receiver one? He's been he's been doing it all season long. He's chasing the top receiver around, and I'm not sure who the top receiver is uh, on the 49ers between Debo and Ayuk. Who do you think they game plan for Snead to be out there chasing? Uh, to me, uh, the easiest way to do it uh, for Spags instead of complicating everything because of the way that these guys are used, it's probably Brandon Ayuk. Um, and and I say that because he is their number one wide receiver and Debo is this guy that lines up in all these different positions and gets a lot of handoffs and everything else. Um, the reason that Debo is so dangerous, I mean, gosh, if you, if you just look back at that 2019 Super Bowl, Debo was killing us in that game, man. I mean, the, the three or four end rounds that he got went for like 70 rushing yards. I mean, he is an absolute freight train to tackle. He is one of the most difficult guys in the league to tackle. Um, I think that I don't, I mean, I'm sure that Kyle will still try to do some of that stuff. I don't think it would be wise. The chiefs have suddenly become understacked with this group, one of the best tackling defenses. And so if what you're hoping for is the chiefs are going to miss a bunch of tackles, like, all right, I mean, you're throwing coins in a wishing well at that point. Now, I don't necessarily want to see like a lot of McDuffie on Debo because of the size difference. But dude, I tell you what, man, like McDuffie will mix it up with pretty much anybody. And he's as sure a tackler as we have on the defense. And so like, I don't, I, I think if Snead is going to travel with somebody, it's probably traveling with Ayuk. He's more of a traditional receiver. It makes it just a lot easier and cleaner for him to be able to do that. And it might be one of those 
all right, I'm going to put my best corner on your number two. Um, and then we'll be able to, you know, spy on Debo, do some double teaming type of stuff. Maybe I don't, I don't know who, who knows. It might be better to, it might be easier to double IU because he's been running more traditional wide receiver routes. I, I asked this question to Kent yesterday and he said Debo, I was kind of leaning towards IU too, but he was kind of talking about Debo because, because of what Legereus Steed can do with his tackling and just hanging out around the line of scrimmage, like that's back kind of back to an old role where, you know, he's kind of playing that in the box kind of corner safety hybrid. Uh, and he was really good at it. I mean, obviously we, we know his tackling ability and everything he can do, but he's just uh, great around the box like that. So I think it's a really interesting. I almost wonder if like they don't have him chase or like mix it up at certain points to have them, you know, maybe one drive follows Ayuk and the other drive follows Debo just to just to fuck with the 49ers. Uh, but I think that's a really interesting question because it almost seems like every other game this season, we know who the wide receiver one is and who he'll be chasing. And yet in this game, I'm just not sure. I thinking about like the luxurious sneak special, the hands to the face in the first drive of the game, the getting really physical with the receiver to let him know it's going to be a long day. I would absolutely love, I would pay money to watch Legereus Sneed do that pop Debo right in the mouth to start that game. He's not the guy you want to mess with, folks. He is not. But if anybody can do it, I think it's LJ. Um, it's That is going to, dude, it's going to be so physical because Ayuk is a big dude. You know how Kittle plays. McCaffrey, I mean, dude, they're, they are loaded on that side of the ball. And I think even the guy that like might be most likely to get in the fight is Juwan Jennings. Is that right? Uh, and yeah, there was a video going around just today of him blocking, and he's just like clearing dudes out like to the sideline, like to the bench, like past the sideline all the way to the bench. Um, he is a physical dude. He's also, I mean, he's been called third in Juwan. Uh, he comes up with a lot of big catches. Uh, the podcast I was listening to actually asked for for more of him in this game. I uh, wanted to see him utilize more because they're like they kind of go away from him when they have. You know, all their weapons, they have Ayuk and Debo, where Jawan is still like a scary guy. Um, so that could be coming down to like the third guy, coming down to like first Jalen Lawson or Josh Williams kind of thing. Um, use check in there too, that they like, honestly, I think they overuse check. Um, I, he, he's oh, overuse check. Yeah, he's overused. Overused. Check. I don't know. Yeah, no, I like it. I like it. I, I tried. It's like worth it. the effort. Um, let's talk about the 49ers defense. Wait, hold on. Okay. Real quick. We talked up the 49ers offense. We got to give the Chiefs defense their flowers too. Mm. Cool stat going along around this week. The playoff run. It's the fourth fewest points allowed per game in the playoffs since 2000. Um, the other teams on this list are some of the best defenses in NFL history. The 2000 Ravens, the 2002 Bucks, the 2013 Seahawks. So that means, I mean, two of those are are older. So that means that it would be the second fewest points allowed in a playoff run since 2003. And mind you, this is coming against the second highest scoring offense, against the sixth highest scoring offense in the Bills, which had the most success, and the fourth highest scoring offense in the NFL. And now they're facing the third highest scoring offense and the, you know, number one in all those different stats that I listed earlier. So if we are talking about an all-time run if they can win the Super Bowl and, you know, keep their point total relatively low. We're looking at this 
This 2023 Chiefs defense being stacked up against some of the best NFL defenses of all time, which is just insane. I saw some of that, and I said, well, you know, I've been calling them the best defense in the NFL, but maybe it needs to be best defense in NFL history. Um, and, I mean, look, I'm, I when I say let's talk about the 49ers defense, I wasn't like I don't have anything more to say about this Chiefs defense. I was thinking more about the opponent specifically, but if we want to do the when the Niners have the ball sort of thing, what, what we're looking at, I'll tell you right now, the first thing I'm looking at, his name's Chris Jones. He wears 95. It's probably the last game that he gets to wear these colors for this franchise. And he wants to go out with a bang. I promise you. Um, does, does he have a Does he have a bonus on the line? Do we know? It's a bonus, is it, right? Is it win? Can, can it, we get a GoFundMe? Can we get it up to like $5 million for Chris Jones this game? Like if, if Chiefs fans just kind of chip in just 50 bucks each. Get a little five million dollar bonus for a Super Bowl win here. Chris Jones will go off. Um, I think that if uh if if they earn the right to rush the passer, should happen at some point. Chris Jones is going to line up over that poor right tackle with an Irish sounding name, who is not very good, and is certainly not Trent Williams. And they are going to attack that man just incessantly. I mean, and don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I hear that George Kittle's a really good blocker. Um, and I I know that they have the ability to try to throw some chips and things. But Chris Jones and Steve Spagnolo have figured out a way to get that guy isolated in these one-on-ones, especially in crunch time. And that right tackle is going to have a very 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 long night um i i do think that losing charles amenahu is a is a tough thing for them and some of it is because uh he's practiced against these guys he played against them last year he obviously would have had a big chip on his shoulder would have been really motivated you know likely guy to step up and make some big plays because of that extra motivation um honestly the biggest piece of it the chiefs are still so good at it that it may not matter uh, one of the things that I heard from a guy that covers the Niners, uh, he was on Mina's podcast this week. He said that Brock Purdy has been very susceptible to balls getting batted at the line. And Aminahu is another one of those 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six guys with the huge frame. Um, and so having one fewer of them uh, who is kind of adept at getting their paws up, that sucks a little bit. Uh, that stinks. I don't know a who is going to step up uh, for the <laughs> not in this game. I'm not sure who to lead on. Um, but, you know, I mean, they say that Felix is going to get some action. It would be really cool to see Felix do something uh, if he gets his shot. Uh, Honestly, that, that week 18 nothing game, one of the guys I was most impressed with was Malik Herrick. Um, and I always wonder if, like, the strategy is, like, Okay, Trent Williams is going to like erase whoever is going up against him. Essentially, like I'm throwing George on the other side so he can get wins against that right tackle, and just just taking the loss on the other side and throwing Malik Herring and just just bull rush Trent Williams every time. Just don't lose your lane, and you know we're not expecting you to get you know pressures or sacks here, but you know we're going to take up their best blocker with our worst pass rusher and just kind of take the loss there and kind of win everywhere else. And I kind of wonder if that's the strategy. And you, and you might lose like in the running game, uh, especially with throwing Felix out there. But 
uh, I would kind of go with that strategy. Does, does George, do we know if he lines up like specifically on one side or the other? I think that all of those guys move and they yeah. do inside out stuff too. And I mean, a lot of guys you're going to see have success against right tackles because right tackles just simply aren't as good as left tackles are. Um, it, you know, I, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of different like matchup specific stuff. I know that the teams that have fared well against the Niners um, don't want to lean too much on what happened in the regular season. But like the Niners lost three games in a row around the time the Chiefs started to lose their streak and all three games they played without Debo. Uh, the other loss that they had, uh, the aforementioned Christmas Day Massacre, just like the Chiefs, a game in which Brock Purdy turned the ball over four times and Sam Darnold in relief had another one. Five turnovers uh, on the day. Five picks uh, for the Niners against the Ravens uh, there on Christmas Day. I I think that when we look at some of these matchups, I saw my buddy Steve uh, in the comments was saying basically like, if you put you know, Sneed on Ayuk, or you've got McDuffie on Debo, like how some of these matchups work, it then basically says like, are you comfortable with Joshua Williams having to cover Brandon Ayuk if you put Sneed on Debo, right? Um, I'll tell you this. I think it's more Jalen Watson than it is Joshua Williams. Um, and and maybe it just depends situationally, but I think it's Jalen Watson. This is a Jalen Watson game. He's a big-time player. He makes big-time plays when the lights are brightest. Now, that guy is going to be out there, I think, a little bit more than Joshua Williams. I want to say that that's kind of how things have gone in the playoffs so far. I feel like they they do like an even rotation. It's, it's really weird. Who knows? Uh, last thing I got in this matchup is uh, watch for the Chiefs to do like the five D-lineman thing to kind of match up against the, the zone running scheme, and that would mean like kind of dropping some linebackers. We talked a lot earlier in the season about getting Leo Chanel some some pass rush rep pass pass rush reps, um, and so this would be the game to see it with Omidahu back out, uh, looking for guys like that, and then playing Leo across the line, which this this defensive front kind of has some su- success against zone running schemes. Uh, so throwing linebackers and also Drew Tranquil rushing the passer last week had some. So yeah. real, he had a, a shoulder dip around the Ravens left tackle that was just like, holy shit, like that was like a Derek Thomas move. Like, where did that come from? He's just like a middle linebacker. And he's, man, Drew Tranquil is fantastic at everything. I, I can't get over that guy. Uh, don't, but, don't go too quickly past a guy like Leo. I mean, he even wears, I believe, the same number that Damian Wilson did. A guy that really kind of, uh, I, I think, did a lot in that Super Bowl. Um, a dude that sets a hard edge. Um, and, and I, I see Leo as a guy that like, if, if you're talking about maybe sacrificing people against Trent Williams, uh, maybe it's a Mike Dana, Leo Chanel kind of combination coming off that edge, um, making sure that Trent Williams isn't able to get out in space, that they're not able to kind of come around that corner. I, I could see, I mean, Spags has so many different options, man. And, and ultimately like you might have Willie Gay in this game too. To where if you have your full complement of your four linebackers um, and ultimately you coming into this game healthy apart from Aminahu and then, you know, you lost Brian Cook a long time ago. Um, if if you really do have your full complement of weapons, uh, man, I, I really like what they can do. I, I do know one of the things that I was trying to get to with the way that Baltimore is able to have success against the Niners and really who uh, like one of the best defenses 
matchup-wise against the Niners is their own defense. It's because of the linebacker play. It's because of the coverage in the middle of the field. And, like, not only do the Chiefs have guys that, hey, I, I know the struggles that we've seen with Nick Bolton and the way that people view him. Nick Bolton has gotten a lot better in coverage over the last, you know, calendar year. Um, even with all the time that he's missed, he is still a very instinctual player that knows what his job is. And a guy to not forget, I'm telling you folks, Jimmy Churry, this this rookie, this hokey. The PFF darling. Uh, I, I think that Jamari Connor is showing to be not only a versatile piece, but somebody that they can really rely on in a lot of different spots. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see how that side of the ball plays out. Um, much like we looked at that game, uh, chiefs Ravens in the AFC championship. It's like, I wondered what, if both teams have their a game, like what's the score. And I kind of thought it would be low scoring. I don't know what to expect here, but that I think that like the real matchup of this game that I am thinking about is the Chiefs' defense against the Snyder's offense. It's going to be a really tough task for them. Not that they won't be up for it, but it'll it'll be interesting. Yeah, and, la- and last thing I got here, a quote from Spags yesterday, uh, and he was he was kind of raving uh, about the intellect of his defense. Like, what's the what's the most surprising thing about your defense this year? This is from like Doug Ferrar, I want to say. Um, he said the thing that stands out is their intellect, and then he said Nick Nick Bolden is the engine that makes the whole thing work. Uh, And this was just kind of a thing that Craig kind of brought to light, you know, six to eight weeks ago. And I never really considered it. And it's just like he is a very, very smart player to the point where he's bouncing things off Spagnolo in game. And they're they're kind of figuring it out and dissecting the offense as the game is going on, like looking at what they're doing. Okay, now we can do this. Um, And it's going to be a a big game for him because the 49ers do all of the, you know, outside zone runs and then play action off of that. Like you need someone who's ahead of the curve at linebacker, you know, not getting fooled by all those and figuring out what they're doing beforehand, dissecting those things. Uh, so Nick Bolton will be a big key in this game. I, dude, he's just, he's quickly become one of my favorite chiefs of this era. And and I just love hearing Spagnolo heap that kind of praise on him because of the way that he ends up being discussed by a certain section of Chiefs fans. They see all these flaws in his game and what they don't see is some of that stuff. I mean, I I heard Spags talk about like, well, Nick and Drew will come to me in a game and say, hey, this is what I'm seeing. What if we try this? And Spagnolo trusts them to say, okay, remember when we've had these conversations about how Andy's like, well, yeah, you know, sometimes Pat will bring me a play or Travis will bring me a play and say, what about this? And okay, we'll try it out. Guys, those are Hall of Famers. And Steve Spagnuolo is arguably the best, like, I, I mean, I, I think that most Chiefs fans would agree that he's absolutely the best assistant coach in the NFL. I don't, I don't think that there is a guy that's doing a better job as a coordinator than a guy Steve Spagnuolo. And his resume is unimpeachable. And he's talking about Nick Bolton like this is one of the smartest guys that I've ever played with. And oh, by the way, Last week when I said uh, Drew Tranquil, not much older than Nick Bolton. <laughs> Fact uh, check. Where the hell is a producer Nick on that one? What the hell, Nick? What I are we paying you for? I was wrong on that one and very wrong on it. 
because I totally overestimated how old Nick Bolton is. I know he's still on his rookie deal. He's 23, folks. He's 23 years old. And Spagnuolo's already talking about him as one of the smartest guys that he's ever coached. Uh, that is a special player. On the 49ers defense, they got a lot of guys like that. A lot of names on that side of the ball for the Niners. Uh, their front seven is preposterously good. Their defensive line goes six guys deep, and that's even without Drake Jackson, who I believe was a second-round pick for them, and without Clellan Farrell, who has never really been good but was a top-five pick for the Raiders. Suck it, Raiders. Um, I... Yeah, they got. I, I was looking at their depth chart. They got Sebastian Joseph Day listed as a third stringer. Like I thought, he was like a, a solid player. And he this whatever depth chart I'm looking at has him listed as a third stringer. Didn't maybe is, older. Is he the guy that got cut? He was from the Rams, and, and I think he went to the Chargers to yeah. play with Brandon Staley, and the Chargers cut him late this season. Yeah, so he's a late addition for them. But I mean, God, man, they're they're front four when you're talking about. Um, what what is the what's the what's the the commander that they traded for Chase Young? I'm like why why can't I get this guy's name? It's so which uh, but the, the the podcast that I listened to they were very down on Chase Young. I know there was that play where like he wasn't hustling that was kind of going around. Uh, I saw that, but they were like they didn't even want him to play. They were like I don't trust Chase Young. I don't want to see him out there. I want to see uh, who's the uh, Randy Gregory. They're like I'd much rather see Randy Gregory out there. It seems like with the names on their D line that like their pass rush should be almost better because it kind of seems like it's like Nick Bosa and like like not much else from the other guys, but they got the names Eric Armstead, Javon Hargrave, and then Chase Young, obviously. That should be like I remember when I was looking at the 49ers at one point, I was just like, holy shit, like that's an insane front four. Like they're gonna be pressuring people like crazy. Uh the stats don't necessarily back it up or the eye test watching him in this playoff so far, like their pass rush. Bosa gets in there and he's a great player, obviously, but I have you haven't seen much from the other. I know Armstead's a little bit older. I guess probably so is Hargrave at this point, but like I, I don't feel like their production matches their names uh at this point. I I agree with you. And and there's some guys that you're overlooking here. All right. Um Javon Kinlaw was the guy that they drafted when they traded DeForest Buckner. He is a first round pick. Um and the interesting thing, Randy Gregory and Javon Hargrave in the same offseason both signed like $90 million contracts. <laughs> now, Randy Gregory did that with the Broncos and eventually was released and then signed with the Niners. Uh, Randy Gregory might be kind of a grass is greener thing for them with Chase Young. Like he's a situational <laughs> pass rusher that hasn't really played much and hasn't been effective except for like one good year in Dallas. Um, Nebraska guy. Nebraska guy. He's he's had some issues. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't trust Chase Young, if you trust Randy Gregory more than someone else, like you got maybe you got a problem. Thing. Right. Um, they have two of the ten best off-ball linebackers in the NFL, including Fred Warner, who I think is unimpeachable. Uh, been the best inside linebacker in the NFL uh, for years now. Uh, he's an absolutely phenomenal player. And the way that those two patrol the middle of the field, um, it's tough. It is tough to do the work in between the hash marks that the Chiefs want to. And Fred Warner is so good 
I mean, this is a guy. I, I, Fred Warner is the the level of player of like a Derek Brooks, where like if the Niners just want to play that Tampa two, he can be the middle linebacker that can play all the way back to the end zone. I mean, he is that good. He can carry pretty much anybody. Um, yeah, it's that here that I got. Uh, Travis Kelsey ranks first in middle of the field yards from tight ends this year. Uh, and the 40, on the other side, the 49ers are first in the NFL in defending that area uh, mm. since Fred Warner, since they drafted Fred Warner in 2018. Uh, so it's, it's like a strength versus strength there of Kelsey going up against Warner. They're back four or five or six or seven. Uh, they leave a lot to be desired, save for your boy Moody. Moody Ward. Mooney? Char- Charvarius Moody Ward. Are you saying Moody or Mooney? It's what is, is it? Is it what's what's his name? What's his nickname? His name's Charvarius. It's a fantastic name. I don't know why you would ever not go by Charvarius. I wish I was named Charvarius. His Charvariousness. <laughs> is it is it Mooney? That's what they're calling him. Yeah. Like if I were to stand up and pull my pants down and show you guys my cheeks live on Tasting us in. Let's see your Pachixo. Mooney. I thought it was Moody. I don't know. Whatever. I'll go Joe Buck and everybody. That is a disgusting act. Did he, <laughs> Did you hear him say that that's like the number one regret of his career? He's like, I, I, I went too hard. It was fun. Um, and yes, uh, producer Nick saying for legal purposes, I do not condone that. Oh, but shut up, Nick. Fair. Do it. Um, I, a, apart from Charvarius Ward, um, they still have names like people know to Sean Gibson. I think people know Jair Brown, who is playing in place of one of the better safeties in the lead. Hufanga, he he got hurt earlier in the year, um, and that's been tough for them. Um, is it Lenore? I think is the other starting corner. Um, their third corner. Uh, boy, I have listened to three different national podcasts that have circled this guy. Is it Ambry Thomas? Is that right? And it's yeah. like. This is the guy that everybody wants to get on the field, get the Niners a nickel, and throw right at Ambry Thomas. No offense to the man, but that is what defense or what offenses want to do. That's exactly what the uh, podcast that I listened to said. They were like, this game's going to come down to them attacking. Like, we got all these names, but they're going to be attacking the other guys. And they circled two guys, one of which is Ambry Thomas, which is the third corner. The other is Oren Burks which is their third linebacker, they they made it sound like he gets picked on quite a bit. And so those are kind of the two guys that come kind of like in for each other. So if you're going heavy, they're going to throw Oren Burks in there. Or if they're going to go light and get in the nickel, then they throw an Ambry Thomas in there. So keep an eye on each of those two players as as players to attack. Uh, have you seen Cedar Rapids? Oh, yeah. You, the guy's name is Oren, and now I'm just over here thinking, boring Oren. <laughs> Uh, if you guys haven't seen uh, Cedar Rapids, you should definitely check it out. Ed Helms, it's a phenomenal movie. Um, I, how about some stats? Stats on the forty nine defense? Yeah, I saw they faced the fewest rushing attempts this year, uh, so, and in the third most passing attempts. Exactly. Yeah, I got that in my notes here. They're ninth in points per drive, tenth uh, in yards per carry allowed. Like the the run defense has kind of been getting picked apart lately. Uh, their run stats are not that bad, but they've faced the fewest, so their yards are really good. But still, tenth in yards per carry—that's that's pretty good. It's much better than, uh, you know, the, the Bills that we faced, the Ravens that we faced. Was the, Ravens, the Ravens' run defense was obviously pretty stout. 
uh, especially in that second half. Their pass defense has allowed 20 touchdowns and gets 22 picks. Um, that's compared to the Chiefs, which is at nine or 19 touchdowns and nine picks. Um, so a much better touchdown interception ratio there, basically because they get uh, a whole lot more interceptions than the Chiefs do. Mm. Uh, the lowest yards per completion allowed. Uh, the third least blitz percentage, uh, which you may have heard Alex Smith saying this week, like they don't show a whole lot, meaning they just kind of do what they do. They're going to line up and play their defense. They don't really mix it all up. It's, it's the exact opposite of what Spags does uh, on the Chiefs side. Uh, second fewest missed tackles in the NFL, so they tackle really well. Uh, potential weakness, 24th on third downs. Uh, so that's just kind of the lay of the land of the defense. It's kind of some of their numbers are really good, but it's a lot of it's because they get leads in these games. Um, we have seen a lot of vulnerabilities, especially in these playoffs so far, where you can you can both run on them and throw on them. Like we saw the Lions able to do both. The weakness is probably the secondary, but they're also you can run right up the gut. We've seen both the Packers uh, and the Lions do it at this point in the playoffs. Um, I. I think that you can throw on this team and not just because his name is Patrick Mahomes. Like I, I think you can throw on this team. They seem like, uh, in that secondary, they're certainly not as talented, uh, at least on paper as they are in the front seven. Um, and teams have thrown the ball against them a lot. Maybe that's because the 49ers are winning a lot of games. Uh, I mean, they were 12 and four in all the meaningful games that they played this year. Um, and I mean, given the fact that uh, McCaffrey is what he is, and this offense is what it is, they're probably most comfortable playing with a lead. I mean, they are more dangerous than the 2019 version uh, because I think that Purdy is a better player than Jimmy Garoppolo. And I I would say that their offense is better than 2019, For and sure. their defense is worse than 2019. Yes. That's how it feels to me. They're, they're almost uh, like the like the 2019 or the 2022 Chiefs. It's like the like basically the number one offense in the league, and then like the tenth to twelfth best defense in the league. Like that's that's kind of where they're at. And it's almost like I mean that defense because of the star power on it. There's you're always running the risk of like there's a sleeping giant there. Like they can come up and have an unbelievable day. Um, I. I have not thought about the Chiefs as an explosive offense uh, for most of the season. Um, the last time that they had a really explosive day offensively was probably the Bears. Not, not uh, going to be Bill Um, What do we have, 27? Well, like, just, I mean, we had like eight 20-yard players on the day, so... Right, and so there's a difference between explosive plays, I guess, and and, and uh, lighting up the scoreboard, so to speak. Um, and I do think that the Chiefs, since the mentality shifted after their loss on Christmas Day, um, and really they got to the, we're going to take the points uh, against the Bengals and uh, in each of these playoff games, apart from, I think, one miscue by Andy uh, against Baltimore. Like, one... One decision that Andy has made in the last four meaningful games that doesn't seem to fit this new model of and we are and I don't need to take risks. If Andy like could see how the rest of that game played out, like I I guarantee in the second half he's like, man, I I should have kicked that field goal. I, I it kind of seemed like a, such a shootout. Like almost everybody into like 
oh man, we got a shootout going here. Whereas like it really settled down in the second half. And I bet the whole time it was just like, really wish I had that three on the board right now. Right. Um, and, and so I think like there is a world to me and I, and I don't think that it's like all that far off. I think that there is a chance here that the chiefs have one of their best offensive games of the year. Um, it will really depend on how the game starts, though, uh, because if the 49ers get out and get to a lead um, and the Chiefs become maybe a little bit more one dimensional, uh, that scares me. Uh, I don't I don't think that we've got uh, a particularly good offensive line. And because the Niners can attack you at all four spots, um, that's something that scares me a little bit. That's something that does scare me a little bit. I, I do wonder, Dirk, the over-under is, I think, 47 and a half. And if you say under, it's, I don't even, I guess you could say it might be like a medium scoring game, but under the 47 and a half um, is, is low scoring, right? Not just because yeah. it's an under, like you're talking about a 24 to 23 type of game, 24-21 to hit the under. Um what kind of game do you think we're looking at here? Is this going to be the two defenses really taking center stage and offenses, you know, struggling all night, kind of like it ended up looking up, apart from the, the first two drives against Baltimore? Um, what, what do you think the pace of this game is going to end up looking like? Um, and also going to be reflected on the scoreboard. Not that you have to pick the score. I'm just. Well, I'm going to eventually pick the score. Uh, you uh, I, I actually like the over in this one. Uh, I love the under in the last one. Um, but I just think, I think both offenses will be able to move the ball a little bit. I think the 49ers will have success in the McCaffrey. I'm very interested to see like how Spagnuolo plays it, whether he's dropping down uh, early on and, and just like trying to take away that run game, similar to how they did against Baltimore, or if it's more of a plan where against, against Buffalo, where that's we're going to stay deep and not allow them to get any big plays on us. Now, so those are kind of like the two basic strategies. Um, I would love to see him crash out and, and, you know, have a similar strategy to last week. Um, but I do think even if they might do that, they might drop a guy down and McCaffrey might still have success. Uh, and you always run the risk of if you're doing that, you know, easier path to get past the second level and McCaffrey break a big one like that. Um, so I, I actually like the over in this one. I think both offenses will be able to find some success. Um, the Chiefs, I, I wanted to go back to you talk about maybe having like one of their best games um, offensively of the season. It might be their best offensive game since playing the 49ers last year when they absolutely ate up D'Amico Ryans and they had, I think they scored 44 in that game, I want to say. Um, and they actually had seven taken off the board with a pretty weak chop block call and they missed a Butker field goal. Um, so they could have been a 50 burger on like they just kind of went up and down the field. I, if you remember, it was the game um, where they I dropped it was the Nick Bosa game. That's what I think of it as. But I do also I believe that game was uh, uh, there was a nice McKinnon long touchdown in that one. I mean, they had they had lots of big plays and that was kind of on the, the screen from from McKinnon was on Bosa it was coming right behind them. Um, but what they did um Shit, lost my train of thought. But uh, they went at Bosa. Let's yeah, that's, I think of it as the Bosa game because no, no, no. okay, it's I a blender. I mean, Ufanga so Ufanga was crashing on routes early on, and everybody was playing the two deep shell against the Chiefs that season. 
And the 49ers were kind of coming down on routes and only keeping one safety deep. And Mahomes, early on, he sees that, even though he throws an interception on one of those plays, he comes off to the sideline. This is like one of the best scenes in quarterback, which I think you still have not seen, which I haven't watched it. Embarrassing, embarrassing for you. But for the rest of us Chiefs fans who saw it, one of the best scenes of quarterback, uh, he gets super excited when he sees that. He's like, okay, if they're going to be bringing a safety down, like we are going to feast this game. Like finally, somebody not keeping two deep safeties the entire game. And they they have a number of, of plays downfield in that game. Um, so that was like kind of the first thing. Uh, so it'll kind of be interesting to see if the 49ers continue to do that. I would guess they don't based on how much they scored in that game. I think MVS had 100 yards in that game, didn't he? He had three three big catches, I want to say. Yeah, biggest play of the game on Charvarius Ward, kind of fakes right at the first down line and then goes right past him. Um, they kind of picked on Charvarius Ward pretty good, which makes sense because they know Charvarius Ward more than anyone. Um, they threw a back shoulder to MVS against him, which looked really nice. They threw to Kelsey matched up with him one-on-one a couple times, and it was basically like he wouldn't even open. They just kind of put the ball up there and let him go get it, and Kelsey basically just boxed him out. Uh, one went for a touchdown, which was called back. Uh, and they had another nice completion like that or uh, and else in the game on Charvarius. Uh, but the Nick Bosa torch chamber, like you talked about, not only was he neutralized in that game, they took advantage of his aggressiveness. And they're throwing, they're running jet sweeps right by him because he's coming up too far upfield. Um, they're throwing screens in behind him because he's coming up too far upfield. They're chipping him all day. They have a chop block on him. And there's multiple shots of him like running off the field just like, and he can't believe what they're doing. Like, he's so frustrated, and he's just like, he hardly does, he actually gets a sack later in the game, which is like, if you look at the box score, like, hey, he did his job, he got a sack. But like, all game long, it was like, we're doing this to Nick Bosa, and then we're finding success because of what Nick Bosa is doing off of it. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how the 49ers, obviously they're going to be looking at this, ready to adjust, and ready to have Nick Bosa. So I almost wonder if that kind of like slows his pass rush down in this game, because he's going to be keeping an eye, like, every single way of, of what's coming at them. Uh, but they really had Nick Bosa in a torture chamber that game. Uh, we held him a lot. Uh, this was his take on it. Um, that was 2019, I think. Yeah. Um, that's fine. I'll hold him for the next four years after this, too. Um, I, I'm i curious, Dirk. I, I start looking at... When you mentioned Nick Bosa... Um, I really, I really don't know what to make of Juwan Taylor. He's had such an interesting year. Um, and I did see that the chiefs, uh, had at least activated the, the practice window or whatever for McChicken. And I'm like, oh man, I would just absolutely love to see him out here pass blocking and getting some of those chips, some of that sweet, sweet jerk McChicken chin music. Jerk McChicken music. Um, uh, well, I'm not sure. I'm I'm doing a lot today, <laughs> but uh, I also I I saw a quote from Andy that he's like it's a it's a long shot, you know. Uh, um, yeah, so he's, he is out. Uh, Tooney is basically out, uh, and he's we said basically we'll see on on Kadarius. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't know if they can do all the same stuff that they were doing to Bosa. Um, I don't even know if they necessarily want to do all the same stuff that they're doing to Bosa. Um, is there something specific? Uh, this is this where my curiosity comes from. Is there something specific that you think the Chiefs have to do on offense 
in order to like unlock something. Um, not necessarily to go out and score 30 points, but like to have a successful day offensively. What's the key for the Chiefs? We talked about McCaffrey. What is it for this Chiefs team? Well, I think you led right into it. I think I think for this offense to work now, they need the running game to go. Um, and you saw their their worst playoff game offensively was last week. And, you know, what did Pacheco end up with? Is his numbers were pretty paltry. 24 carries for 68 yards. Uh, a lot of that's when, you know, in the second half when they're kind of bogging down. But that's when the offense slowed down. Like this, this team has kind of found a lot of success with the running game. That's kind of been one of the late season adjustments. One of the adjustments we saw out of the bye week, I think, the, the run game has just been uh, working really well. Uh, I saw a stat say Pacheco leads the NFL in stacked box yards per carry, uh, which I thought was kind of interesting. 4.7 yards per carry against stacked boxes. Uh, and he saw a stacked box on 38% of his carries last week against Baltimore, uh, which kind of goes to show you like, kind of where the Chiefs mindset was at. They were they were looking at a stack box, but they were running into it anyways mm. to, you know, take those two yards, set up a third and manageable, but keep that clock running the entire time because they had that two score lead. But when it wasn't effective, the offense really slowed down. So I think I think you need this running game to get going. And I think they will have a lot of success uh with Pacheco against the against the 49ers defense. Uh, I I have heard I didn't watch them uh, all that closely, but I have heard that both Green Bay and Detroit kind of ran the ball all over them, um, and so they I I think that they can get got. Um, and given uh, the way that teams have thrown the ball against them this year, uh, I I just I see some potential for the Chiefs to have a pretty explosive day. Um, more points than maybe we are expecting. I'm not necessarily calling for like a blowout, but I I do think that this is a Niners defense, as Alex Smith said, because they just kind of do what they do. If the looks are consistent, it makes it a lot easier for the Chiefs to be able to then figure out like how they want to attack it. Uh, the thing that everyone talks about with Spags, uh, that they talked about with Mike McDonald as they were preparing for the Ravens is like, man, they change the picture on you all the time. You never know where your pressure's coming from. And the Niners line up and play like three coverages. This is what we do. Um, and they just think that they're going to be better than you. Um, Which was I, just screams Andy Reid, doesn't it? It just screams yeah. like, hey, Andy Reid has two weeks to prepare for, you know, a defense that's giving the same look over and over. Like, He's trying to come up with stuff that that works. And and one one big thing uh, while we're while we're here, Patrick Mahomes hasn't really had like a dominant Super Bowl yet. No, uh, like the numbers in his first two, uh, he throws a couple picks in that 49ers one. Uh, obviously, the the Tampa Bay numbers are bad. Last year, he plays a clean game and the offense is working really well. But he only ends up with like 182 yards passing. I want to say so. I, it's hard to kind of say that a dominant game, even though I think he played clean which has kind of been the the name of his game this year. Uh, it's almost kind of like last year's Super Bowl kind of played into this year's playoffs uh, where he just has still hasn't thrown a, a turnover-worthy play, has a chance at a clean playoffs across four games. Um, so it'll be, it'll be interesting to see if Mahomes can kind of come out here and like put those, like maybe like the last thing that he has to put to bed is play like a fantastic game on the world's biggest stage. Yeah, go... You know, 300 plus yards, two or three touchdowns, um, go out and have a big, big day like that. And, you know, 
win his third Super Bowl MVP. That would be nice. Um, any weird stuff? Any odds and ends that we need to get to? I mean, I know that you you uh, said you had some pretty fun props. Um, I mean, goodness gracious. Uh, it's it's like maybe the the funnest day of the year for sports gambling. Um, it, well, what, uh, what kind of stuff are you still circling, uh, that you want to get to today? We got some, we got some fun Taylor Swift props here to close, but first we're going to talk about Mr. Taylor Swift mm-hmm. and perhaps the tight end belt on the line in this game is George Kittle, the, the best tight end in the NFL. If they win, let's look at the playoff stats here. Uh, Travis Kelsey has 156 playoff catches. George Kittle has 31. Um, George Kittle is averaging 41 yards per game with two touchdowns in his playoff career. Travis Kelsey is at over 86 with 19 touchdowns. Um, but some are saying that George Kittle helps spring five yard runs here and there, uh, which you got to take that into account. And, you know, I was always saying Jason Dunn better than Tony Gonzalez. You know, I said that over and over. And now we're seeing that play out here 20 years later. Uh, so you gotta wonder if the, the tight end belt is on the line this game. Uh, I think that the only reason that George Kittle is even remotely unlikable is because of people trying to put him in a category that he doesn't belong in. Yeah. Because, dude, him manifesting like we're gonna be back here. The, the way that he was talking to Purdy when they were getting their tails whipped by the Lions. Uh, like, dude, Kittle seems like an extremely good hang. Uh, I I like the way uh, that he goes about his business um, and and just the, the crazy person that he is on the field uh, really seems like a guy that you just want to be around. He seems like an excellent teammate. And yeah, he does some of the little stuff. And maybe some of that little stuff will have an impact on the game. Uh, but no, there is no belt. All right. It's not up for grabs. Uh, the debate is over. No challengers. They <laughs> Kelsey. It's kind of like how the QB belt was on the line last week, where it's like Lamar has, it would have been the third play- career playoff win against Mahomes, right. you know, third all time in playoff wins. But it's like, no, 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 the belt is on the line in this game. Um, all right, there's Taylor Swift props. I, I dove into these last night. They are absolutely ridiculous. I got to share some of these. First off, there's 87 props on the offshore betting site that I looked at. Coincidence? 87? Uh, who knows? Conspiracy here? I like that. Uh, Andy Reid actually got asked today if if Chiefs are in the Super Bowl because of a Republican conspiracy theory to push Joe Biden to a 2024. He was asked this by a German reporter. His face was like, he goes, Ah, <laughs> I saw that Roger got asked about it too. And he, I mean, you know, no one is gonna like, if you believe that there is some elaborate, uh, uh, libtard agenda or whatever buzzwords you want to try to go for, um, you're not going to believe anything that anyone says that's contrary to it. It's yeah. all going to be fake news. But they asked Roger and he was like, it's preposterous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> scripted in some way why are we wasting time uh with me talking about taylor swift uh you know an- announcing her allegiance to joe biden in the super bowl post game or something which which you can bet on if she announces that really but, dude the silliness here is off the charts here my right, first one that i saw 
Will flight 1989 or flight 87 be delayed? These are just two random flights that have the Taylor Swift 1989 album reference and Travis Kelsey 87. Nothing to do with flying to Las Vegas or anything. It's just a bet on if these two flights will be delayed, which betting on that is just it's otherworldly. Amazing thing to bet on. Throw your will body more. Just, just minor on Wearing a foam finger, which I think is a pretty fun uh, visual if she's up there holding a, a foam finger, kind of fun. Uh, how about the Travis Kelsey engagement ring over under 250000 Uh I thought that seemed a little light, personally. Uh, our sideline reporter, Backdoor Kiki, says bet the over on that big time. Uh, he's, going, he's going over 250k. Uh, there's fun ones like, will she overhead clap on TV? Will she hug Donna Kelsey? Will she two-hand five someone? Um, so basically anything she could do in the press box. How about will Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey sing a duet at their wedding? Uh, that one's <laughs> that's a Super Bowl prop. Was yeah. it just any Taylor Swift related bet? Yes, they're basically just stealing your money for you know you know eighteen months if they get married at that point, and then just, you'll just forget about it. Um, how about who will be shirtless first, Jason Kelsey or Taylor Swift? Um, Taylor Swift's a big underdog on that one. Uh, <laughs> will Jackson Mahomes and Taylor Swift make a pregame TikTok together? Uh, that would be tough to watch. Uh, she can bet off the crying if she if they lose, if she mouths a curse word, if she eats a hot dog, um, if she says no to an on-field Travis Kelsey proposal. Now, that one's got really good odds. That one's got really good odds. Um, there were some even ones that I thought were kind of fun. Like who she hugged first after the game, Mahomes or Andy. Those are pretty even odds. If she's hugged someone like down the field, I don't think she kind of with Andy. You see Andy pointed her last week. That was kind of weird. Dude, that made me happy. Andy's just a, he's just a, he's a good, he's a fun guy. Everyone loves Andy. Everyone, everybody across the board. Uh, will she appear on the new Heights podcast by May 1st? I thought that was kind of interesting. That would be, I mean, it's basically the biggest podcast getting her. That would, that would, be the biggest podcast of all time, essentially. Um, will she put on a championship hat or shirt? I thought that was kind of fun. Will it maybe get a hat on her? Um, will Brittany Mahomes, Brittany Mahomes be seated next to her, behind her, or in front of her? I really like behind her. I just really like, I just, I kind of see Taylor Swift sitting up here with, with whoever and Brittany sitting right behind her. That's all I got on the props. I will be emptying the bankroll on each and all of those, mostly to, uh, if she says no to an on-field proposal, <laughs> here's the biggest pop event in in the history of the world, and she says no, and then endorses Trump. <laughs> That's embracing the villain. You want to talk about embracing the villain? Um, are what are you are you going to Vegas at all? No. No. Um, what's, what's if your... I did, I would take lots of drugs and just sit there and stare at the 500 foot Chiefs helmet that is <laughs> at, the, at the the sphere. That would, that would be my game. <laughs> um, what's your plan for Super Bowl Sunday? Is there a specific menu? Is there a specific guest list? Is Billy Pesto coming over? What are you doing? What's the little live all with Billy Pesto? He's in better spirits. That's good. Uh, I play other this weekend, so he's 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 alive. Can feel good. Yeah, fresh off that needed the time off. Um, no, we're gonna get barbecue. We actually tried to order barbecue last time, and we called them up at like noon or something, and they're like, "Nah, guys, we're way out of barbecue." So we had to eat 
we had to like make something up on the fly. But this time we're ordering it the day before so we can get some uh, legit barbecue for the game. Is it uh, legit? Is it legit? Uh, no, I mean, my Kansas City standards probably not. But oh, you haven't even tried it. This is this is risque. This place is supposed to be the best. I think I've eaten there once or twice. It's pretty cool. Oh, okay. All right. There we go. That's fine. But you tell them you're from Kansas City, they get really excited. They're like, oh, oh, they start asking you questions. And I'm like, I got to act like I know what I'm talking about. Like, oh, yeah, you got to you gotta get the uh, the fat in there. And the uh, like, yeah, look at that. He had all about the burnt ends. I've never made barbecue. All right. Doing some barbecue. Probably watching with your brother. Yeah. Trying to stay healthy, man. I was I was sick for last Chiefs 49ers Super Bowl. I've been sick for the last couple of days. Um, so I'm trying not to start COVID-23 over here uh, after the Chiefs beat the, Super, the 49ers in the Super Bowl again. No. Uh, that's 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 kind of a side goal. We we can we can have prop bets on that if I start the next wave of COVID. If you will be no no ground zero for it was my house last year's last Super Bowl in 2019. I uh, boy, you go over to the Amateur Hour Twitter feed and see that Amateurs Forever post and just look at how white Dirk looks. He yacked. Either like two minutes before or two minutes after that picture. Right no, no, before the picture. Yeah. Man, I mean, we were all in really rough shape. Um, we will obviously be doing a show after the Super Bowl. Hopefully, it's a joyous one instead of, uh, you know, picking apart some of the reasons why the Chiefs came up short. Uh, I don't know what channel the Super Bowl's on. You guys will figure it out. It's the most watched. Tony Romo. Uh, oh, Tony Romo and CBS. Oh, man, that's. Watch. really turn on Tony Romo. Everyone likes Greg Olson now. Uh, and a lot of people are in his corner because Brady is supposed to take over as their main color guy. And Greg Olson is like out here trying to, you know, earn his way onto being a number one guy. And, you know, maybe it's time for Tony to step away and Greg Olson can slide over to CBS, like uh, do his, his Chris Collinsworth impression with the slide. Uh, Herb Street out. We don't need Herb Street with Al Michaels. Put Olson with Al Michaels on Thursday night. Boom. That's uh, that would be a massive improvement. Kirk, stick to college football. Um, I'm Ryan Scott Hall. He's his darkness. This is Amateur Hour. Um, you got a big game? What do you got? Let's score. Chiefs are gonna win. Well, gonna yeah, win. I'm definitely picking the Chiefs to win. Uh, I I like a thirty-two in honor of Nick Bolton. Going 32 for the Chiefs. Uh, 30, 32 to 19, because Kadarius Tony sucks. <laughs> 32 to 19 Chiefs. That's what I got. That is a, that is a, that is a healthy victory. I feel good about the Chiefs. 32 to 19 Chiefs. I'm going to go with 20. Mm. Is it going to be close? I'll go 27-23. 27-23. Mm. I think it'll be close. I mean, honestly, it probably will. I was just just numerically going for the vibes there. Uh, does, is Kadarius Tony active? It's between him and McCole Hartman. I, I, they don't trust either one of them. They don't want to put either one of them out there. Um, I think he will be inactive. I think they're done with him. Personally. Mm. Okay. I think so, too. Uh, could be uh, the last Sunday for a lot of players that we like and hopefully quite a few that we don't. 
let's go, Chiefs. Let's go, baby. Ooh, Super Bowl. Let's go win the Super Bowl. Let's go, baby. Man, I can't wait sure. to those conversations if the Chiefs win. Uh, all right, it's been Amateur Hour. Like I said, I'm Ryan Scott Hall. He says, Darkness. Uh, thanks for sticking around for what has been a really wonderful season 12 here on Kansas City Sports Network. Uh, let's go, Chiefs. We'll see you guys next week. Hopefully, uh, parade time.